0: learning is very much should be led by the child. And we are in a society where that's not the case, where there's expectations and tests and grades and SAT scores and getting into college. And it's like setting kids up for this lifelong um, mental infrastructure of I must constantly produce at a high level in order to be of value. And I think that is incredibly detrimental to what learning truly is, which is a faithful attempt. It's failure. It's a faithful attempt in learning. Learning is to play and and probe and test and hypothesize and fail. Um, So I always love having educators on because I think each child and each human comes to the table with different skill sets and um, interest points. And I think to shove all of them into one box does a terrible disservice. Hey parents, welcome back to Parenting on Purpose, your podcast for parenting out of the box. We have a special back to school edition for you all today. We have Miss Ava Sharma with us, course creator, um, owner of Bridge of Empowerment and a master educator who's coming today to help us understand some challenges your kids might be having with this upcoming school year. So Ava, welcome to the show, how are you?
1: Hi, thank you for having me, I'm well, how are you?
0: I'm doing good. i um, excited to have you here. I know this is always a hot topic as we go back to school and kids are getting back in the swing. And as the mindful parents that we are, we want to be the best supporters of our children. So I think this is going to be a really fun topic. And uh, girl to girl, I just love the work that you do in this world. I think it's so empowering to like help children through growth struggles and um, the way you focus on helping them uh, to attain studying habits that we as parents also want them to have is is awesome. So appreciate Thank you. Thank you. So we always start off with um, one thing that you do in your own life to show up on purpose, um, I'd love to start there. So what is one thing that you have going on, uh, either a routine or something that you do intentionally, um, in your own life? And then we'll just kind of riff from there.
1: Um, that's a good question. I think I'd probably say when I'm with people or talking to people, I try and be as present as I possibly can. Uh, so I, I give them my attention. That's probably what I'd say.
0: Awesome. I love that. And then, um, would you call yourself more of like an introvert or like an extrovert?
1: Probably an introvert. <laughs> probably more of an introvert, but I can be extroverted. Like, you know, when I start talking to people, I, it's almost like I, sometimes I'll lose myself in just understanding the other person. So yeah. That's beautiful.
0: And I anyway, know my mom was an educator for years. Um, So I know how if, when you're focusing on children, like you're really like becoming fully enthralled in like their world to really understand their struggle so you can help. So as a tutor and someone who spends a lot of time understanding the mind of a child and how they like learn and develop, um, like what what do you do when you're not with your kids to help yourself kind of like get back to equilibrium and get back to like clear focus?
1: Oh, a lot of meditation. I meditate a lot. So yes, that's probably what I'd say. That's awesome.
0: Okay, cool. Now I'm curious, what does that look like? Does that happen in the morning or is that something that you're doing like before your sessions with kids to get your mind like to a clear place?
1: Um, I use that for actually, I mean, in a way it's like, it helps me just concentrate. So I have meditation music on regardless of like, anytime I need to focus, I just keep that stuff on. And it's actually something I teach students as well Is like when you're studying, cause it's almost like you can condition your mind to uh, just through sound to just be able to focus. And like, imagine if you had a switch that you could just turn on and all of a sudden your mind is like focused. So that's what you can kind of do. You can condition your mind to be able to focus by just having a sound on. And then, so that's kind of really what, how I use it. I use it anytime I need to like center myself or just focus on what I'm working on.
0: Cool. So like from Pavlov's perspective, like it's, it's like you were preconditioning to like, let you know, like this is the time and place to, to kind of drop in and focus in.
1: Yes. It's so funny you said Pavlov because I actually described that exact experiment in my course uh, for students that I have, that like, and then I explain exactly what I just said about how to train yourself for um for focus with uh with sound.
0: That's awesome. So it's cool about this. It's like I asked that question because. As a parent, what I've learned with this podcast is when you come to your conversations with kids um, and spouses and whatever self um, with the expectation in mind, you're, you're, not, um, you're not coming to it with a clear head. So I've learned through other speakers, like talented people like you, either by journaling or like putting all your thoughts down and like removing them first and then showing up wholeheartedly to really be able to serve and like be in the moment. Um, and as I'm thinking about the context of this conversation and how we're going to be helping our children, um, removing those expectations is a really good way to show up. But the cool thing, I guess the serendipity uh, of this is you do the same thing when you're showing up to teach. And you teach kids to do the same thing when they're showing up to learn.
1: Yes, that's true. I I started doing it like probably seven years ago or something. It was a long time ago, but I would have times where I'd be kind of stressed out in my life. And then I'd have to go into like a tutoring session. And um, I'd catch little things that I was doing that would make me, like it was too much focus on me. And I would catch like, oh, okay, that was an excessive attitude or that was unnecessary with this kid and maybe I shouldn't have said that. And so I'd like, you know, I'd take it back or I'd like apologize or something. And um, but yeah. And then I started using my tutoring sessions as a way of like getting away from the things that were bothering me in my personal life. And it was, and that's what i found to be really like, it's amazing. It's like, you can really throw yourself into the service of whoever you're talking to or helping or yeah.
0: I love this because when you show up with that intention, you're really making a difference in the in that kid's life and i think uh we have a lot of homeschoolers on this channel a lot of the parents that follow us are um not necessarily uh 100% in alignment with the way that current school systems operate. Because unfortunately, and my mother, I was product of the public school system. My mom was a public school teacher. She was just one of the rare ones that was incredible. But by and large, in a lot of instances, though there are many exceptions. I, I know these people. I love these people. Um, but they don't come to teaching with that same mentality. And it's, it's not to any fault of their own, right? They definitely have the right heart when they enter. But it, there's just a lot at play. So one, I think it's very cool to start with that kind of mindfulness when you're approaching any kind of conversation with your kid about learning. But especially in one in service where you're trying to help them with goals. Um, so So that's really cool. Okay, so that being said, I'd love to kind of get into it. I know you and I were talking last time about, um, as a parent, um, when your parents come to you and you're trying to help with kids, a lot of it is about like learning. But in, um, in a lot of instances, it's also about, we as parents want these kids, we have these expectations of what we want our kids to learn. Um, and sometimes that's separate from their actual non-coherence with the learning material. So I'd love for you to kind of unpack a little bit, Ava, what you see when you come to the table with um, helping kids. What are some of the big barriers? And then how are you, um, what are some tools like, as parents that we can take into these conversations with our kids as we're going into the school year, as you know, we're helping them check in to make sure they're where they want to be in terms of their own grades. And to be frank, where we want them to be in terms of our expectations, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, um, I would say that one of the things that we, like we want the kids to be accountable. Right. And that, that's such a difficult thing to like instill into a kid. Um, and then, so I think as parents and as educators, it's like really important to constantly keep reminding yourself that, wait, I can't care about this more than the child does more than the student does. Um, and, and like, just keep reeling yourself back and just keep reeling yourself back and then, and like figure out other ways to get them to care more rather than like, yeah, what you said with the expectations, that's totally on point. You know, um, they sense the expectations and some students, some kids will try and step up to that and they'll try and meet your expectation. But then the downfall is that it's your expectation. They didn't set that goal for themselves and they're, that's not what they're stepping up to. So there's some uh, learning that gets missed there in terms of like developing other types of skills. Um, uh, so even that is not necessarily it's not as favorable of an outcome as you might think. It might sound like, oh, yeah, my kid is very obedient or whatever, but um, sometimes that's that's not, you know, necessarily always sure. beneficial for them in the long run as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the alternative to that is like that's the good scenario. If you are, you know, expressing your expectations too firmly on them, that's the good scenario. The bad scenario is that they start to just reject it or they give up, and then they are. You'll hear like a lot of their self talk will be really negative. Um, and you'll hear a lot of, um, yeah, just a lot of negative about themselves, but also just like with self doubt and everything, but also just a lot of blaming and complaining and things like that. So, uh, yeah.
0: So when when your kids come to you with, um, you know, for for long standing uh, like mentorship and tutoring, what are some of the things that they have um, that are making them um, either reject learning or just not feel up to the task of trying to take on this challenge? Uh, I'd love to hear what some of those are, and then how you kind of help them through that.
1: Sure. Um, That is actually, it's a long process. And I think a lot of people don't understand. It's just um, like, you know, it might sound like, oh, I have a teacher, I have a tutor. But if the child is not open to learning, that's the first thing you have to get them open to learning. If they're not even there, then it doesn't really matter what kind of information you're giving them. It's just, it's going to be like hitting a wall. Um, So that is definitely the first thing. And it's really important. And it's not always obvious. A lot of kids will you know make it seem like yes i'm following along yeah i understand and you know you have to be kind of intuitive enough to catch on and be like okay i don't think you're you're actually getting it or um or maybe not saying that but asking them like more details about uh what they're thinking and then if they're if they continue to be confused and you can kind of tell um then you can step in and ask them like okay do you want me to show you you know do you want to figure this out together do you want to like you know and offer help there but um I don't know if that answered your question.
0: Yeah, no, this is good. It's kind of more of like a, I'm trying to play with this concept of, you know, we're learning is very much should be led by the child. And we are in a society where that's not the case, where there's expectations and tests and grades and SAT scores and getting into college. And it's like setting kids up for this lifelong um, mental infrastructure of I must constantly produce at a high level in order to be of value. And I think that is incredibly detrimental to what learning truly is, which is a faithful attempt—it's failure. It's a faithful attempt in learning. Learning is to play and and probe and test and hypothesize and fail. Um, so I always love having educators on because, as someone who homeschools, you know, we, well, I don't teach her because I love her and I would never do that to her. But we have private tutors like you, basically homeschool our daughter, um, just because of that reason. Um, I think each child and each human comes to the table with different skill sets and um, interest points. And I think to shove all of them into one box does a terrible disservice. That being said, there are several kids who absolutely thrive in this environment. So it obviously is a case by case basis. but it's more for me playing with the concept of empowerment, right? Bridge of empowerment, your entire, um, what you help kids do is to really feel good about that learning process again. And as we go into the back to school timeframe, um, as parents start to notice uh, their kids may be grappling with some of these issues, I, I would love to hear, you know, what are some of the warning signs in terms of maybe my kid isn't enjoying the learning process, or maybe they're starting to feel some of those negative self-talk and doubts. And and how can I help them as a parent?
1: Oh, that's an excellent, that's what you were asking. That's what I think I missed. Yes, um, they the uh the things that they struggle with like they will be really defensive they'll you'll probably start to notice like missed assignments and things like that which isn't that big of a deal um sorry i'm just looking at i actually wrote about this just recently so i want to just look that up really quick of but course. um as far as the signs that you would notice you would notice i mean just a lot of defensiveness missed assignments like i said but also um you might start to notice like it's a lot of their their core belief ends up eventually transforming into this belief that's like, um, there, it doesn't really matter what kind of effort they put in. It's not going to produce results. And once they're thinking along that those lines, I mean, then it's like, you know, you're just going to get this guarded kind of attitude where they'll do things, but they're doing it more, you know, just, just for action sake, for the sake of like getting something, uh, getting, you know, the oh, parent author back or yeah. getting their teachers off their back and just getting this stuff out of the way, but it's not like, there's no passion in it. And that's something I've noticed so much with students is like, I mean, maybe it comes with math. The territory is like difficult to become passionate about, but, um, or challenging, I should say. But uh, in general, a lot of students, they don't, um, they don't develop like the ability to be passionate about something. I've literally had to coach students into that. Like, what are you interested in? How long can you sustain interest in something? How long can you even sustain feeling good about like, let's say you get a good grade. How long can you stretch that like good feeling for, you know? And, um, cause a lot of times it's just gone, like evaporates and wow. Yeah. Yeah, so you're only
0: as good as the next trick that you produce and which is super bad because yeah. what are we striving for? What, what is, um, you know, how, how are you, how is your child motivated? Is it intrinsic? Is it extrinsic? But as parents, we have to understand what that is. Like when they're little, it's very easy. If they enjoy art time or truck time or outside garden time, then we know how to reward good behavior. But when as parents, we start to outsource that rearing and, and development of their brain, um, how are they being motivated? And now at, at home, you know, when there's not as much um, reinforcing that behavior, we, we lose touch on that a little
1: bit. Yes. The extrinsic and the intrinsic thing is, huge and i mean it's so normalized in society where you know i've done it so much myself where i've been like okay if you don't do this well i don't do that anymore that was years ago but still you know if you don't do this i'm going to tell your parents i'm going to you know i'm going to like and so that automatically some- saying something like that makes it you know all of a sudden it is an extrinsic motivator if if it does happen to motivate them it was something outside uh external that that did the trick rather than getting them to be internally driven um and i think a lot of that, I. I partially have wondered, like, if what would happen if we took all of those extrinsic factors away, maybe the internal motivation would just come on Mm -hmm. its own. Um, I suspect that it would. But in the event that it didn't, there's still it's still a lot easier to get them to, you know, start uh, being motivated internally from that point.
0: So I love what you just said about the motivation factor. And I agree, I I agree with you. I think those are, those are fed off of different areas. Like it's the two headed dragon situation. Like I think you're feeding fear on one side. You have to do X or I will say Y, or if you don't do this, you will not get into a good college. And if you don't get into a good college, you will not make anything in your life. It's like, it starts to really like, how can you come, like Einstein said, you can't, you know, you can't come up with the same, you can't come up with a solution with the same level of thinking that you developed the problem with. And it's a similar concept. You can't get into motivation and drive and passion and creation, ideation, fun from that place. Those, yeah. those are different, which is interesting. Um, And I, I venture that this is like, symptomatically, we're talking about kids who would perceivably struggle in school. But I also w- was and have family members who are on the opposite camp, or they're very, very high achieving people, um, all the AP classes and all the things, and they're in 17 different courses. And it's almost like you're developing this not enoughness about the, yes. if you can't constantly produce at a high level, and you can't take care of these seven hours of homework on top of, you know, trying to actually enjoy being a teenager or a kid, is that is that in service of our kids, right? Right. So. I love what you said about the motivation. And I think it goes, it comes back to something we talk about a lot on this podcast, which is your family values. What does it mean to be a member of your family? What, what values are instilled and what do you um, hold dear? What What attributes are important and make sure making sure that your kids realize that the rest of it is just, it's fun. It's play. It's lighthearted. It's important. But if everything is a level 10 on importance, nothing, nothing's important because it's all going to just be so overwhelming. Um, okay. Do you find that Ava that like, People come to you not only with learning struggles or challenges in that sense, but also kids who are like perceivably very high achieving. And do they have the same type of, you know, uh, underlying feelings and emotions and
1: struggles? I have worked with a few extreme cases, and one of the extreme cases was an extremely high achieving student, and she was in 11th grade um up until that point she had been like 4.0 you know like all all around just doing really well ap classes like you said and then so she was in 11th grade she came to me after uh the the downfall had happened already so um and that was she had like one bad grade on a quiz and and then literally within 2 months she was on academic probation everything went tumbling down yeah and and she was just so like unbelievably sensitive when I worked with her because just everything she'd gone through, I think she was, she must've been traumatized. Um, And then, you know, it was like, I couldn't ask her to do a problem. I couldn't ask her. I just had to handle it like very, very carefully. Um, So I've seen the extreme end on that side too, when they are really high achieving and the pressure that they put on themselves. I mean, I've heard that from students all the time, students that are doing so well already, you can see that they learn really well, that they catch on quickly. um, And they just have, all this unnecessary pressure that they put on themselves to achieve. Um, so they, you know, they create all this anxiety for themselves and they build that up as a pattern. Uh, so that's definitely one extreme. Um, but then, yeah, there's the other extreme of students as well that I, you know, that I've kind of became a little bit more interested in working with just because I, I kind of wanted to see what it would take to help a student uh become open to learning and at least take them you know kind of some of these extreme cases what it would take to get them to be like believing in themselves basically and to stop awesome. yeah so so i want
0: to i want to delve into that world and then your theology and um i guess view on uh, math through like communication of learning i want to talk about that but i have one other question in terms of you know we're in the back to school time frame um uh, what is something that our parents listening can do as a practice, maybe at the beginning of the school year, or maybe at a cadence to kind of temperature check their kids and to kind of um, show up in service so their kids know that, you know, we're, we're here to support you, right? And even though there are expectations, um, number one, like your health and wellness and uh, mental well-being is the most important thing. Like, What have you seen be successful? What what tips can you share?
1: Um, Let's see. Well, to temperature check, I mean, you can, you can ask questions and then you can get an idea of, uh, based on their attitude, their enthusiasm, you know, you can usually detect like where, uh, if their answers are even honest, like that kind of thing. So we, I think we can usually tell that about the student. Um, and a lot of it has to do with like really being open to listening rather than like wanting to just hear a certain answer. And then as soon as you get it, you're like, okay, I got the answer. I was wanting to hear, or, I Didn't get the answer. And like, you know, um, so, you know, when you ask them, it, they'll start to open up and, uh, but you just have to ask them the right questions. Um, Like one thing I'll ask students, or I have asked students recently is like, I'll ask them, what's one thing that you wish that your teacher or your, well, I've asked it about parents as well. What's one thing you wish that they would know or understand about you? You know what I mean? And um, you want to know the (laughs) answer? The answer that I usually get from a lot of students for that is um, they actually ask uh, or ask about a second chance. Like I, I wish that they would, you know, like, it's like, they want to be able to make a new impression, or they want to be able to have that chance somehow get a do over. Um, So that's something that they'll, they'll ask about. But, you know, that's usually down the line, probably not at the beginning of the year. Um, But yeah, I think probably your biggest indications might be their grades, and just like looking at, okay, how do they do? And then that'll tell you, like, how they feel. Uh, A lot of times they might even still be, you know, they might have this, like, rejecting nonchalant attitude if they don't perform well on a test. But, um, actually that's usually just a defense mechanism and you can probably assume that they feel bad about it already themselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. You don't need to like, you, what you need is to support them and help them understand what do I do from here? Not reiterate the fact that they have failed in your eyes. Um, which I think by and large, we're getting much better at as parents, uh, probably because we had at some level, like gone through this ourselves as kids when we were kids. Um, but yeah, that, that's really, really good. I love what you said about, um, about like. Just being there as like a, a listening factor and and not um like the, the do over component like you, when you're listening you're sharing like you're really just there to share space with them and to provide that support and the do over concept we've talked a lot about on this. Podcast with other professionals in like the behavioral area not necessarily scholastic but it's like by and large kids want to please you and not like just to please you but because at the at the core you share values and you know so if it's a stepping ladder and you're building that ladder together as you bridge to your point as you grow and as they grow um it's going to be a lot easier for them to reach out and cross that bridge to say hey here's how I'm feeling about this um I'm upset about this grade but moreover like I did what I was supposed to do I did the study guide I um I completed the homework assignment I I I don't know why I didn't do well and then that and then To me, like that's the goal because we want our kids to fail. Like it's it's really it's not about the grades. It's about are you learning? Is there an aptitude for learning? So that when you go off in the world, you understand how to be resourceful, where to look for information, how to attain information, how to set yourself a goal and, and fail until you accomplish it, and to do it in, in, um, with a good attitude because, you know, you're growing and you're getting better. Right. Um, which, which is awesome. So that, that's cool. I'm, I'm interesting, um, to hear that perspective that kids feel that way. And, um, also very, also very beautiful and also sad that they feel that way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It definitely is. And I've, you know, it's definitely had got me emotional before. Um, but yeah, I, everything, like what you were saying about, um, Oh, I forgot the word that you used, but it it made me think about like this, this whole idea, they feel very powerless. I think it's something we forget as adults a lot. um, And especially because a lot of times they also don't, you know, they're not as like vulnerable, they're not completely open and letting us know that they are feeling powerless or something, you know, has caused them to feel that way. But um, yeah, that is kind of an issue for them a lot. And if you think about like, even the idea of, oh, I have to go to school, and I just have to do it, I don't have a choice. And Uh, and then you go to school, if they go to school and then they're not doing well, then it's like, it's like compounding that feeling of powerlessness and they get to a point where they just are internalizing this view of themselves, you know? And so, um, one of the things that I, I really like, I think I mentioned my course that I, I, I put together a course. So I'll tell you guys about that a little bit later, but one of the things, the core values, I guess, that I really try and stress and a way to teach them, um, to be intrinsically motivated is like to help them see that even in a situation where let's say you're in class, you have no choice, you are there. And even in a situation that seemingly feels powerless, oh, this is the word that you use, which was attitude. It is your attitude. You can still have power by controlling your attitude. You can choose your attitude that you have and you can take that power back. Like you can say like, okay, I don't want to be here. That might be before, but then now you can say, I do want to be here. And now your brain is going to be like, why do I want to be here? And then you you start convincing yourself of the opposite, like, oh, this is interesting. I like it. It's, you know, and then now all of a sudden, those are the things that you're saying and convincing yourself.
0: As a student, yeah. That, that's so, so it's like you're um, empowering them by giving them choice. It's, and it's easy as a kid because it's like, since you're a, an amoeba in this life, it's come here, move here, go here, go here, go here soccer practice, piano lessons, church, blah, 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 blah. It's like, they're like sheep, like always going through life. So you get to like middle school, high school, they're kind of accustomed to like just going with the flow, but they're also in the throes of their like independence and, and wanting to grow and express that. So that you really beautifully highlighted like what they must be feeling from like a, a cognitive dissonance at that age. Um, and I love how you bring it back to choice. So you're, you're providing the perspective to your students Yes, you can do this, but how you show up in the world and the decisions that you make um, allow you to perceive differently, which in the scientific terms is like, the reticular activation system. If, you, if you're in the beginning of your mind, and this is where meditation and self-practices are so helpful. So I love that you wrap that in for your students, even, even if it's not meditation and it's just turning on a certain type of music to get in the zone, is like reticular activating system. If I continue to think a thought, my brain and the you know millions and billions of neuron synapses in my brain are going to find evidence of that as truth. And they're going to bring that forth to me. You can get on the spiritual side and call it like manifestation, or you can get on the scientific side and call it the reticular activating system. But what you're teaching kids is by making a choice, they're going to start to have a self-fulfilling prophecy of evidence in in their school environment to help prove that choice.
1: Yes, exactly. Their belief can, it can create whatever it is that they're believing. Um, and it, it might actually be doing that. We don't even know. We don't know what things coming first. Yeah. I love that. I love that because
0: so that's a, like, that is very empowering. That's a, that's like a life skill, that learning at a young age is so ha- so powerful powerful because we may think we're so different than our kids but when you're sho- you know shoving off the nine to five traffic every day and you know have- having gotten to spend 13 whole minutes with your spouse the night before, like are you really that different? like do you really have like you probably have a lot of the same emotions that your kids feel in terms of obligatory activities um, yeah. you probably can really relate to them. Uh, there was one other thing you said with attitude I had a speaker and she was she said it so well uh, that I love and it reminded me of what you just said she said it is your attitude and not your aptitude that will dictate your altitude. Mm, gotcha. I like that.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: it's so true. Yes. So, um, on our pre-call, you mentioned the journey of understanding what gets kids open to learning, and um, really like you, you designed this. It's it, your story is very cool. So, I'd love if you shared a little bit of it. Like, you basically designed this whole course and this deep dive because you yourself became curious to learn. Um, what causes kids to have this um dissonance with uh learning and these feelings of not enoughness, and how do I get them open to just playing with the concept that they are enough and they can learn, and they have everything that they need. I would love if you could share a little bit of that journey and then please um, share with our audience, your course, uh, where you're offering all of that. It would be great to, to hear some of that as well. Sure.
1: Um, so, well, uh, going back to the first part of your question, as far as the journey, I got curious about this and then it took about the first student that I tried it with. And, you know, I'm, when I say I tried it with a student, I don't. I mean, like oh, I was a student who was almost there. Like I mean more of the challenging students, the ones that I knew it would take some time, take some work. It took about three years for me to like get him to a point where he was excited and you know, like you could see a total confidence shift in him. Um, he had started like talking about or helping other kids in his class. Um, so I I really have just used math as like a vessel to help students kind of get to that point. That's been my goal. Um, but I wanted to see like what is there must be a way to do it where it's simpler, where the teacher or the parent or whoever that's working with the kid doesn't have to do like four hours a week, you know, and, um, and just like rigorous going, you know, and getting the student to a point where they're, basically picking up their own load and they're walking with you. And uh, so a lot of that, I mean, if you think about with babies, right, babies, when they first are learning to walk, they'll just get up and fall down, get up, fall down, get up, fall down. The thing that starts to get in the way of that and where they start becoming more self-conscious is when they start understanding what people around them are saying or like they start perceiving that kind of stuff. So that is what starts to shrink their desire to learn or their, their ability to keep failing over and over or, I mean, we don't want them to fail all the time, but you get what I mean, right? And um, so that's kind of what a lot of the process is about for me. Um, And uh, and helping them is like just kind of getting them, uh, first of all, disconnected as much as I can. And that's, I guess that's like a constant thing. So I've got this process down to this eight weeks that I have put into this course for students. And it, it kind of will reset their thinking. I mean, I can't say it's going to work for every student, but definitely if they take the course multiple times, you'll see a major difference. But even the first time around, you can see kind of like by the end, they're having a different attitude and they're especially towards math, because I use math uh, as a way to help the students get to that point, And they'll kind of be more open to it and um, more open to learning just in general. But a lot of it does have to do with getting them separated from uh, from the opinions of other people or their perceptions of other people's opinions and just the messaging that they've gotten from their environment.
0: Um, That's fascinating to me that whole limiting beliefs thing because you know as an adult now in my 30s like I have so many friends that spend you know thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars going through you know either therapy or alternative types of treatments to dial back traumas or limiting beliefs to what exactly you just said basically Ava, when you're a kid and you start to take on the opinions and the When I see, it's kind of ironic. I have boxes behind me, but I see parameters—the parameters of your family members and well-intentioned loved ones who are just trying to help keep you safe. But they're putting you in this box of of ability and capability when you're way, way more capable to produce and to do beyond those those borders. Um, And what that looks like after you know years and several years, it starts to become something that is intrinsic in a a child uh, until they're taught to separate that. What is that process and? obviously parents need to check out your course, especially since it's for kids. We're gonna get back to this in a second, because I, I love this, but like very briefly, what does that process look like for helping kids to separate those beliefs? Cause I know what it looks like for adults with meditation. I'm just curious, um, how you're, how you do that process.
1: How I do it. Well, definitely I don't require the students to like, um, to talk about it with me if they don't want to, cause that's, you know, that's putting an expectation on them. And so a lot of it, me is I'll, I'll just share on my end and share my perception my stories whatever and then like that'll let them think about it and then if they want to talk about it from there then they can if they don't then as long as they're getting the information you know and um so i kind of leave it up to them but a lot of that yeah i uh, like let's say in the context of math i i did used to ask like okay how much how you say you want to do well how much of that is for you and how much of that is for like uh you know, like intrinsically you want to do well versus how much is because it's for other people. You want to make them proud. You want to, you know, this, that, and the other thing. So I'll ask them to kind of give me that breakdown in a percentage yeah. as a percentage. And then I'll tell them like, okay, let's get rid of the percent that has to do with like other people. And let's just focus on seeing if we can expand your part to as much as we can. And so that's kind of how that conversation goes. Um, and then aligning their values as well, like getting them to uh, it's weird. Cause it's like, I am, there to help them do well in math, you know, but at the same time, like, I don't want their sense of value to come from the grade. And so like getting them retrained to thinking like, okay, the thing that's going to give me the success feeling here is what is that going to be? Like, let's change it from the results or the outcome. Awesome. And let's just let that be a byproduct. And then, uh, we are going to define, um, the other stuff, you know, like what is going to give me that good feeling?
0: I love that. You, okay. There's just a few things I want to unpack here. You, you, you have a few common themes, which I think makes you so impactful. One is you've mentioned feeling several times. Um, we're in a, in a world and community of logic and driven by like type A personalities and the overactive CEO, CEO who's like spending his whole life achieving. Like we really overlook the power of the gut and feeling as an imaginative tool to success. But the fact that you weave feeling into your children's curriculum with with your with your students is amazing because when you can hold that feeling of success, and there are several books written about this, right? The One Feeling, there's like a lot of different books, um, proven business literature, that when you can hone in on that feeling of what success feels like, it, again, back to the reticular activating system, you're practicing that emotion. You're practicing what you want to feel. And then the biology of who you are in your brain is going to help put you in a situation to experience that feeling. Um, so it's very cool the way that you inter interweave that. And then, um, there's another thing that you mentioned. Okay. I, I don't know if you even do this intentionally, but I love this about what you do instead of imposing and, and, um, maybe just outright stating something you seem to offer a perspective and then you just allow them to receive that and then do with that what they would like. Um, you mentioned it twice now, once in terms of, um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, this had happened to me and I didn't realize that I was letting my uh, limiting beliefs actually come from my parents or I was doing this more for other people than myself. And when I realized that, I felt a lot better. Like you're, instead of explaining it to them, you're really just offering a perspective. Um, Same thing with the power of choice. You're offering the perspective that you get to choose potentially your own, your own action or your own, the way that you perceive something versus just having to go through it. And I think that's really brilliant with kids because it gives them the power of choice again, back to the empowerment in a world where otherwise they don't get to make as many decisions for themselves as they probably wish they could.
1: Yes, that's very true. Um, And I'm glad it seems like you're totally understanding, like everything that really matters. And actually, I have a question for you. Do you feel like a lot of parents are on the same wavelength now or they I mean, I definitely have noticed that they are getting there uh, a lot more than You
0: know, what's interesting is I think we're a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, and I have several perspectives to share this. Like my mom, like you, she's she was an educator for 30 years. She retired from being a teacher, but because she loves students, she's now a tutor. And she has longstanding uh, kids that she works with, you know, years and years worth. Um, and I think a lot of it is the... Um, the emotional uh, friendship that you bring and just the support, I think, is probably just as impactful to that kid and their life as the academic consultative like approach you bring. Um, but I do see several parents who are very much in the doing phase of their life, where they're focusing on their achievement and they want the best for their kid, and they'll find people like you. Um, I, 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 now that we have this podcast, I get several questions emailed to us. We'll get DMs on Facebook. I'll be at the local grocery store, and people will ask questions. So I know parents are concerned about the mental well being of their kid. I think parents are seeing some of these early. Warning signs, which is why I asked that question. They see their kid coming home having all honors classes and not being able to do the things that they love to do because they're stressed out. Or they're seeing their kid start to display some behaviors like being a little distant distant, and um, maybe not being as accountable on the homework component. So I think they're starting to see early signs um, and they want to help, but they don't want it to come from a place of authority, which is a parent, sometimes that's difficult. and so they're seeking advice and guidance on how to be supportive. And this is actually why, as I told you on our pre-call, um, I was very excited to seek you out because we've had several of these questions in the past few weeks leading up to school. And then here in Florida, schools just started. I know in other parts of the country, it's, it's already, uh, hasn't started yet, but people are already starting to experience this. So I, I think to answer your question, we're a little bit of a mixed bag, um, but I think they're definitely, especially this this audience base, they're, they're, mindful. Um, they're mindful. These are trying to make decisions um, with their children and not for their children
1: gotcha awesome yeah i do i feel like uh i'm seeing it a lot more even when i am seeing parents that are still like focus on the grade or the result um they're still open to like understanding and seeing other perspectives and then ultimately they make whatever decision is best for them as well but um i i love that they're open to it um and uh yeah there's something else that you said that i wanted to address but it'll come back to me <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's no problem. So the one thing I love is that you made this course um, for kids. So it's, it's not to teach parents how to help your kids. It's to how to teach their, your kids to help themselves. How to, as you as you mentioned, like pick up the load of the backpack and, and not just walk with it, and carry it, but to do it with pride and to know that they got this, they can do, they can handle this. I mean, this is not above their capability.
1: And why um, they should, why they should is a big part of it. Because, it, you know, if that isn't connecting with them well enough, then um, even if they pretend that they are on the same page, you know, you'll see it in their actions.
0: That's amazing. Tell tell me a little bit about the why. Um, what have you seen? I'd love to hear.
1: The why, I mean, the the things that I use and uh, yeah, the course is definitely for kids, by the way, but because uh, that's who will watch it. But if you have some sort of like, let's say you're a parent and you are really struggling with connecting with your child, I think this is a good way to reset that if you to watch it with them. um, I think you mentioned this earlier, Caitlin, is that they literally want your attention, even when it seems like no they're just rude they're this that and the other thing no they still actually uh want your attention they want and they'll pick it they'll get it in whatever way and they would like to like learn with you and whatever because the thing is I mean if you've ever really learned something you've gotten into it and you've developed an interest in it it's so much better when you have somebody to share that with and you're like talking about it with them you get them excited you're excited and and that like learning with a person is so much better and so I know that this course is a lot more effective especially if the parent goes through it with them and then you also kind of get to reset some of your own thinking because uh i mean this course is to help students unlearn it's easier for them to unlearn and kind of like you know learn how to um how to operate so that they are functioning you know how they would like to function in school or um just the most uh best way for them What what is best for them but um Even as adults, there's so much unlearning that has to happen. So much more than than there is for them. And unlearning
0: in in order to learn. (laughs) I love that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and then it kind of gets you on the same page, and it helps you see like, oh, if I if I say this kind of thing to motivate them, then they'll be more likely to like step up than if I were to say something like this that I might be used to saying. Hopefully, anybody listening to this, just that alone, and how we discussed that earlier, like. Um, it's so easy. Sometimes we don't even recognize how we put an expectation on them at all. Like you can just ask the question in your mind. It's a question to them. It's like, oh my gosh, it's pressure that I'm supposed to have known this. I don't know it. And now I feel like an idiot and now I'm going to get called out and this, that. And the other thing. So that's what goes on for them. Um, and yeah, it's like, there's no point in trying to figure out who, who it is and who, you know, who started it or whose perception is wrong. Yeah it's, really yeah, yeah, it's really irrelevant. Yeah, it's irrelevant, And it's a an opportunity for both sides to learn. And, and that's why I
0: love the bridge analogy because it's really you're building a bridge over to your kids. We talk about that. It's so funny. We talk about that all the time. Is like you can't expect you can. I guess you can as an adult expect your kids to build a bridge to you, but it's going to be a lot harder. Like we're the adults. You have the tacit knowledge. You have the emotional intelligence okay. at this point in your life um, to to make an effort to build a bridge to your kids and make it easier for them to connect with you. And by going through it with them, I think is brilliant because it allows you to build bridges along the way and start to see where like the disconnects occur and then start to get a sense. You mentioned intuition a few times as well. So to start to get a sense of like how you can maybe help just offer um, some additional support there so that they feel, you know, yeah. easier for them to come to you and that the, you, they won't, they won't Think you're thinking they're a failure just because they're having a struggle where you're like struggle's a part of life I, I you know we expect struggle you know in our family when we struggle we, we seek support we find solutions and we move forward you know confidently because that's that's what we do and then you can start to really play with that and use it as a way to establish values so now something that was causing dissonance and disconnection in your family is actually a bonding moment and that's the real genesis of this whole podcast is to take moments that are challenging as a parent understand the foundation of those moments and to, to bridge those gaps
1: yeah it's like, um you you both grow, and there's a synergy that's created, and it's it's so fulfilling. I mean, just even as a as a teacher, you know, it's fulfilling. I can't even imagine what that would be like for a parent to experience that. And, um, yeah, I definitely hope that that's something like those kind of moments are uh, I, I think they're huge. I mean, they're like that can set up a total type of different relationship with your kid and just, yeah, incredibly fulfilling for the rest of your life and for the rest of their lives.
0: I agree. I think leaving. A, I think there's a few camps of people. I think there's like parents, teachers, entrepreneurs, um, and so a lot of parents are are also teaching their kids at the same time. So they're like all three of those things. Um, I think it's like it's it's the most brutal mirror you'll ever have to yourself, and to really see yourself through your relationship with other people, um, and it shows you the best of you and the absolute worst of you. Um, but be, being a parent is so rewarding, as you said, because you get to experience like the high highs and the low lows again, whereas normal like, in adulthood is basically all about hedging your emotions. So you're just only feeling a little bit. It's like, I'd rather not feel awful. And you know, so if that means I don't have to feel great all the time, just not to feel awful, I'll kind of just live here. And then for the first time you're like, oh, you giggled. Oh my God, don't touch the outlet. And you're, like, you're starting to feel all this again. Um, and even though your kids are now 14, 15, 18, you still have that because they're important to you. So dialing that into like, understanding that this is an opportunity for you because like, I guess it's like philosophical what's life about right like yes you make money you pay your mortgage you do the things but like where's the fulfillment and it really comes in the form of like the relationships you forge, the legacy and the bonds you create with the people that mean the most to you um yes we have to go to work yes there's an exchange of value for money and that can be done in several different ways but again to what Ava said there's a choice in the attitude that you take and as parents with work I I, I venture a triggering um a, a triggering statement here but like I venture sometimes the way that parents feel about work uh, and their attitude that they select about work probably is a bit of a mirror to the way their kids start to feel about school and maybe why it's a challenge for them to have those conversations because they're probably displaying some similar choices of attitude. Um, So what better way to help heal both uh, than by doing it together through a course, which is awesome.
1: Yes, I totally agree. I mean, it's like they are as open with you as you might be with your boss. You know what I mean? So you have to kind of think of it in that way. And school is their job. And if they're not doing well at their job, you can just imagine how you would feel going to work every day, knowing that you're not good at your job or that you're, you know, and so like to reset all of those patterns, because you end up creating these patterns with each other um, through like the assumptions of how the other person's going to react or how you're going to react. And then just becoming willing to learn on your own as well, like with them is huge. And um, so, I mean, I definitely recommend if, if any parent like checks out this course and you're thinking about it, I recommend that you do it with your child because uh, just that experience alone is is gonna make it worth it. Um, but I know that it's a lot of value anyway for the the student.
0: So where we where it can be found. And then also um, explain the time commitment, because I know when we chatted before you designed this to be something that kids can do in conjunction with being in school is not um, like an overhaul or something that would be too cumbersome uh, to also add in. In fact, um, even though it'll take, you know, like an hour or so a week or whatever that is, it's actually going to help them process their information and homework a lot faster. So it's like in college, I I went to a really good school and I got really good grades because I'm a nerd, if that hasn't come across yet. Um, But it was because I went to tutors constantly to help me learn. Uh, and even though that took time and effort and investment, I was willing to pay that in my own money because it meant I could succeed. So if you could just wrap up, April with that, where can we find you? How do people get involved in your world? Uh, that'd be awesome.
1: Sure, yeah. Um, uh, well, the course is at, I mean, you can go to courses.bridgeofempowerment.com. And so you'll see, well, that's the only course I have up at the moment that's open for enrollment. Um, but when I you know, bring more courses on, that's where you'll find it. And so that's called the Math Confidence Course. It helps to- basically reset a student's mindset in eight weeks, uh, academically, but specifically for math, um, because I use math over and over, and I, I, or I like refer to math. And so the course, it'll teach them how to talk to an adult when they're intimidated, like in learning situation, um, and how to do it like confidently with dignity. Um, And it teaches them, it gives them tips for focus, for memorization. um, And then I also have, so there are like a lot of elements that are academic, you know, related to it. So like, I teach them um, uh, how to think like a teacher, like how tests are constructed from the perspective of the teacher, and like how even just within one concept, things can become more and more complicated, like how you can create problems that are complicated. So I give them strategies for how to study for tests to optimize their results and everything. That's awesome. Yeah. So I know, like, there's a lot just in the course alone, if they watch it themselves. um, And it's mostly for teenagers. But if you're watching it with your kid, then you can definitely just, you know, um, Help them. yeah, if they're younger, yeah, you can adapt uh, some of my examples to match whatever they're learning. Um, and so that's kind of, it helps take them through that process and then it leaves them feeling like really open to like learning and open to stepping up to the challenge and like earning some belief uh, for themselves. Um, and then, uh, so that's kind of what the course is about and it's, it's two and a half hours in total. It's only about 20 to 30 minutes per week for eight weeks. And you just watch a video and, um, slowly, slowly, especially if you have discussions with them, which I do include like coaching, you know, conversation, conversation starters, questions and things. Um, so if you do that and then you'll kind of like start to see a transformation in the way that they're thinking and their optimism, hopefully around math, especially so
0: that's awesome. I love that you're doing bite size increments. Um, I just want to again, say, thank you. Uh, I have a special place in my heart for teachers because my mom was one and I just watch how impactful, uh, that is on my own life. And my, uh, my thirst for knowledge and learning, and just how I perceive the world, because I come at it with like the childlike curiosity. Um, so I, I've seen it, and I, I appreciate that. So thank you uh, for what you do. And um, my second thank you goes out to you guys as parents, because uh, it's your questions and um, your your DMs and your comments and emails that help me find value and, and amazing people like Ava to come onto the show and and share what they're doing as tools and tips that we can implement in our life. So I'm so excited for you guys to use this information as you go into the school the school year. I will take everything um, from Ava's like social component and her course, and I'll post it down below as always. So you guys can reach out to her. I always get the stories when you guys start to take the coaches uh, and you guys have meetups and and start to learn from them. And it's like the most heartwarming thing. It's why we do this. Um, So that's awesome. And I actually have a gift for parents today. So I got, I got some merch, our first merch in, so we got our parenting on purpose. It's like a Renaissance painting and it says, parenting be like, bruh. And it's like the lady with the kids and the cherubs hanging off of her. Cute. We have a few different stickers. Um, so I'm giving the first 200 away. Uh, I'll post it in the Facebook page page as well. But the first 200 people uh, that send us an email can get the free stickers. I'll send them out to you guys. Uh, but we we love you all being here. If we're only having a you know 50 episodes in, we, we've had such incredible like uh, messages and growth, and we're here for you guys because we're doing this together. We're learning and getting better every day. So thanks again to you, parents, and Ava. Thank you. And until the next perfect time, you guys stay beautiful and stay inspired. Thank you. Bye.